Welcome to the second episode of Season 2 of Delving Into the Nights, where I interview people doing amazing things across the spectrum of dance. In the last episode, we heard from Anouk Van Dyke from Chunky Move. And staying in Melbourne, this episode is with the amazing Lucy Guerin. Lucy lived in New York, working as a dancer from the late 80s until 1996. In 2002, she established her own company, Lucy Guerin Inc., a company that is an integral part of the Australian dance scene, creating a name for itself, experimenting with form, ideas, and expanding what we know of as contemporary dance. Lucy made time to be interviewed in an incredibly busy period for the company. She was preparing to travel to Adelaide with a tractor for WOMAD, a production that opened two weeks earlier for Asia Topa. The tractor was made for Dance North with her partner Gideon Obazanik, who was interviewed in season one of Delving Into Dance. Lucy was also preparing her next work, Split, which is a part of the 2017 Dance Massive Festival in Melbourne. This conversation meanders from process, the Australian dance aesthetic, theatre, gender and dance, and I started by asking, where did it all start? Well, I grew up in Adelaide, and um, I think, I mean, I think I always had an interest in the idea of performing, and used to um, get dressed up in, all, you know, we had a dress-up box at home, and and mum had an old pair of wooden point shoes in there from when she did ballet for a very short time. And they had the, the toes were sort of made of wooden blocks. And I used to kind of teeter around on those. But I used but we used to dress up and put on plays and you know. Um, and I think it was just I think it came from my mother actually. Somehow the fact that she she had danced when she was young, just a small amount, and I think she really loved it. Um, and that got transmitted to me. And she loved the ballet. She was a very keen ballet goer when she was a young woman. Um, and so, and also I just think lots of little girls do ballet. And I was just one of those, really. Um, and so when I, but, and I did ballet classes for probably from about the age of seven to about 14. And then decided to take a break when I was a teenager, so I had several years in my high school years where I wasn't doing ballet and I left it. And then when school finished, I didn't want to go straight to university and I, I missed it. I really, I wanted to return to it. So I, um, I started going back to these ballet classes and by then I was, I don't know, 17 or 18 and everybody else was 15 or 16 and I was terrible. I was the worst one because I had the worst one in the class. And it was quite hard, but I, I persisted with it. And eventually I started dancing with um, the Rex Reed School of Dance. Rex Reed was um, a dancer with the Australian Ballet in the 60s, or, yeah, and, um, and choreographer. And um, he had a school in Adelaide. And he, the school closed down, but he arranged for me to go to the Centre for the Performing Arts in Adelaide, which was in its first year. It was like a TAFE course. Um, and so I ended up going there, and that's how I was introduced to contemporary dance because they had a, it was a contemporary dance course. But so yeah. your work sits mainly in contemporary now? Completely, yeah. 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 
what was the shift, I guess, from classical ballet into contemporary? Well, I was never going to be a ballet dancer in a, in a ballet company. I just did it really because I loved it, or I loved dancing. Uh, so when I... And I never really considered that, I, that it would be possible for me to have a career in dance because of that, because I, I knew I couldn't be a ballet dancer. I didn't know what the other options were. I'd never seen a contemporary dance show. So when uh, I went to the Centre for the Performing Arts um, and was introduced to other types of dance, that sort of broadened my horizon a bit. And um, I, I guess I still was a bit reticent to think that anything could come out of it, really. But I was uh, willing to give it a go. Mm. Yeah. So you're about to go to Adelaide for a tractor, and you've got a work in progress, well, opening very soon, split. How do you remain sane with so much stuff happening? Well, this is a really intense period because we've, we will have premiered three works in six months, which is very unusual for the company because I, I tend to give myself quite a long time to make works um, just because I think if you if you have to churn them out, like I've been doing at the moment, uh, you don't have time for the, for the research and the sort of development and the, and the um, possibility of finding new things and new ideas. So generally we would present one new work a year and then we have a lot of other programs that we do as well but for me I would make one full-length work a year or and um so so this period actually I I'm not completely sane I don't think <laughs> <laughs> you're looking yeah. pretty together oh thank you yeah and no, I've been doing some quite strange things um, <laughs> yeah but um I guess I think just um approaching each day on its own, like one day, as I say, one day at a time is, is, is one of the things that really helps me. If I start to think about the future too much in, in these types of really intense periods, then, you know, I get a bit anxious. Yeah. Mm. Can we talk about a tractor that you did with Dance North yes. and with Gideon? Yeah. Working with, you know, somebody that you know so well and so intimately and then working kind of yeah, in the room and on the floor. I'm really interested in how that works. I mean, it's not it's not so uncommon in dance to, you know, have teams like that. But mm. is yes. it challenging? Well, Gideon's my partner, and we've been together for 18 years, and um, and I have worked with him previously, so I knew that we could work together. And I actually really, surprisingly, enjoy working with him because, you know, you always hear about couples working together and just, you know, having terrible arguments. And But um, we have very different interests, I think. And, and he's, he's very conceptual. He's, he sort of really enjoys thinking about what the set design is going to be and the lighting design and, and the sort of... And he's very good with producing and putting teams of people together and... Um, you know, he approached the major festivals initiative about um, getting some extra money for the work, and so he's he's a very big picture thinker, and um, and I I really love the time in the studio. It's terribly cliche male female types of interests, but anyway, um, I, I I like working with the dancers. I like working on the detail of the choreography and. The structure of the work, and uh, um, so 
it actually works quite well. I mean, we did bicker a little bit in the studio, but I hope not too much because that would be so annoying for the dancers, I think. Well, it's not uncommon for creatives to bicker anyway, anyway. <laughs> irrespective yeah. of how, yeah. you know. But in terms of like collaborating with someone, um, which is incredibly difficult to do if you're both in the studio at the same time working on something together, I think we we work really well together and, yeah, that was pretty remarkable actually. <laughs> and does the work continue? Like, do you continue the conversations on outside of the room? Like, or is there a point where it's like, okay, let's not talk about a tractor I think, anymore? I think there is a sort of tacit agreement that when we go home, we don't talk about it. Unless there's something really particular that we need to discuss. But, yeah, it's it's... We didn't. We don't talk about it in huge amounts at, at home. Just, I, I also think you just get. I, I get. Um, I just get full up of of information and and I do need to sort of um, rest. Yeah, switch off. And switch off. Yeah. What's this work that's coming up about? Split is kind of a reaction, I think, to having made a few larger scale works in the last few years. Um, I made the dark chorus for the Melbourne Festival at the end of last year and also last year I made a piece for Rombear in London that had 14 dancers. Um, I worked on a, on a version of Macbeth at the Young Vic in London. Um, so I, I wanted to get back into the studio just with two dancers, the space, um, and 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 I'm, I worked very much with just the elements of choreography, really, or how, as I see them, space and time and uh, and movement. And that was it was sort of a, a pleasure project in a way. Like it was really uh, just to get back in touch with the actual making and and sort of experimenting and dreaming and you know in a in a much more low pressure situation because when you have a lot of people or you have you know a big outcome um you know you still have to stay in that frame of mind of creativity and research and but but at the same time you do have to attend to perhaps you know a bigger design picture or just you, you're different in the rehearsal room when you've got 14 people than yeah. you are and especially if you don't and melanie lane and Lillian Steiner are the two dancers, and I know them both quite well. So it's a you you can allow yourself a different process. Mm. Um, but so the work ends up pretty much being about um, a sort of diminishing sense of possibility and space and time. So they begin with a twenty minute dance in the whole space it's a square and then they divide the space in half with white tape and then they dance in half of the space for 10 minutes then they divide that space and they they dance in a quarter of the space for five minutes etc etc until they're sort of boxed into a tiny square in the corner that they can hardly fit into which is i think three seconds so um and one of the dancers is nude and the other one is closed, so there's a real sort of identity split 
between um, I think it's 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 sort of more one one person's sense of themselves as being um, this more primal being and a more kind of um, uh, the the face that you present to the world. Mm. And you mentioned like you've worked with them lots before. Does that sense of knowing them and understanding of how they work and all that kind of stuff feed into how you work in the room? Does it inform, you know, you've got expectations about what they can and can't do and that kind of thing? Yes, it does. I, I chose them for particularly for the qualities that they have. They both have a sort of uh, gravity or, or um, a, a kind of intensity about them which... Um, and they bring a lot to the work. They're both choreographers themselves. So I think once dancers become choreographers, something shifts. Uh, and, and so that when you're working together, they have a much, much more of a sense of um, the work and the, and the piece rather than just their own place in it. Mm. Um, and so they tend to... Uh, yeah, so it's not so much, oh, I don't want to do that because I don't want to look like that. It's like, oh, yes, I can see how, even though personally I don't particularly want to do that, this is going to work really well in the work. And so as a choreographer, that's really useful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of yeah. being caught up in the nitty-gritty. Yeah, and in their, or just in their own experience of it. Yeah. And in how it feels, whether it feels good or whether they, you know, whether they're able to do the thing that they want to do in yeah. the piece. Yeah. I want to talk about some of the work you've done in the UK, kind of moving into theatre in yes. Macbeth and Medea. Yeah. How did that come about? Uh, that was quite a long process, actually. Um, one of the programmers from Sadler's Wells, Emma Gladstone, saw one of my works and she thought that I would work well with this theatre director, uh, Carrie Cracknell. So we were sort of match-made, in a way, by Emma, and she arranged for us to have a couple of um, workshop development periods in London over a few years, actually. It was quite drawn out. And, um, and then Carrie invited me to do the choreography for Medea, um, and that went well. And then we decided that we would do a um, co-direct this, this work, Macbeth, because we wanted to get sort of more more equality between the the dancing and the and the, the theatre aspect. What's it like working more with? Balance. Yeah, what's it like working with um, people that don't necessarily have such a dance background? It's it's really interesting, and it it reminds you how challenging moving is for people who don't do it, who don't do it every day. Because I I just get very used to dancers being completely comfortable, you know, with their bodies and and moving, um, but working with the actors who many of them really didn't have any dance experience at all. They were terrified. Like I didn't, I didn't realize. So, but they were also extremely brave and and willing to try. And um, so, so yes, it's a different. You have to sort of understand and, and, and respect that what they do is um, very much about trying to inhabit a character and trying to understand what would that character do in this situation. 
So if you ask them to dance, they're like, but my character wouldn't do this, so who am I when I'm dancing? Uh, and I, I do remember one, I think it was Macduff, you know, I was making them crawl on the floor, and he looked up at me and said, am I still Macduff? And I was thinking, oh, wow, that's such a different way of, of thinking than what we have as, as, as dancers, because I think we... We can contain a sort of multiplicity of characters and ideas and, you know, we can be, we can switch from being, I don't know, atoms to being a character to being just, you know, purely about line or texture or, you know, we, we can kind of change our, um, what our, what we're, not even what we're representing and then just go beyond representation completely so yeah so it was really really interesting and I, and I had huge admiration for those actors because they and especially Macbeth was amazing like because he did a whole solo where he was just like shaking and yeah, wow. um, and you know and you could see some of them could really enter it and really get into it and and others just were like oh my god I can't believe I have to do this is this a space you're going to keep working in do you think it's just hard to do everything. I have worked with actors before a few times. I did a piece called Conversation Piece a few years ago with um, Belvoir Street Theatre, where which was three actors and three dancers, mm -hmm. and that was really fun because it was it, it wasn't a play; it was a sort of a devised work. And um, but uh, yes, I do want to do more. But I uh, um, I was thinking about Untrained actually, and mm. that wasn't working with actors, but. You know, you've got dancers and you've got people who aren't dancers. Um, you know, I could see myself in that role being incredibly uncoordinated um, with Perfect. no virtuosity <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, but it seems to be like a bit of an interest, I guess. In Yes, yes. And in Untrained, I think I am interested in how people who don't have training move. And I, I really enjoy watching it and... Because it, you know, I think as dancers we learn pathways. We learn to put our arm to the side and keep it straight. We learn um, to, you know, move forward in space, back in space. But I think um, other humans don't don't have those prescribed pathways. So mm -hmm. they're they're less aware of their bodies, but also their bodies are kind of less prescribed somehow. So I I am interested the way in the way that non-dancers move but the trouble is that you know and this happened in untrained i'm i i really love watching them watching untrained people dance but i think i had no idea how funny the audience would find it which sounds naive now but like the first time we performed it and the audience just erupted into hysterical laughter pretty much all the way through and but it wasn't it wasn't laughing at them. It was a very supportive kind of, you know, and they would cheer them when they when they got it right, when they when they attempted these difficult things. So it was a sort of a very supportive um, sense from the audience. But um, yeah, it was just very. I it was just a very different response. Was the laughter hard for the people that were the untrained ones? No, they loved it because they're all, I think, secretly stand-up comics, but. <laughs> um, no, I think they. I don't think it was hard. No, because yeah. the audience obviously you had people 
with no training or some training in a tractor as well. Yes. Yeah. I found really one of the most interesting parts of that show when they kind of came on and some of them completely got it and others were very confused. Yeah, it's re- and it's really interesting just to watch how different people take on those movement instructions because they don't have any rehearsal at all. They are just fitted with these in-ear devices an hour before the show and then they're just fed instructions that they have to respond to. So they have no idea what they're going to have to do. Yeah, I mean, I would struggle with my left and right, let alone anything else. But uh... I, think, I think you'd be great, Anne. <laughs> well, if you're looking for uncoordinated people, um, <laughs> happy to audition for you. Um, I'm interested in kind of dance around the world, and Australia mm-hmm. often gets talked about as having a particular aesthetic or being very physical, and it kind of shifts and changes all the time. Do you feel like there's an aesthetic in Australia, or there's a commonality in dance? No, I think it's quite diverse, actually. I think, you know, it, and it's it's quite blurred in a way because we have a sort of quite a strong live art scene as well, which involves often quite a bit of movement. And then there's, you know, there's a lot of independent artists who, who are working with participation or with um, non-dancers or... Um, uh, you know more site-specific works, and then and then you get you know the companies like Sydney Dance Company who are it's very technical, very pure dance. Um, so I think there's and then there's some da- more dance theatre mm. here in Australia as well, which feels a bit more connected to Europe, and um, also you know there's a strong I think. When myself and a few other people, Rebecca Hilton and Philip Adams and various other people, spend a lot of time in New York, and that that I can see that sort of post postmodern influence here as well. So I think it's quite eclectic. Um, I think that I think we're we don't have the kind of angst that perhaps dance um, sometimes has in in Europe. So I think. We are less weighed down by perhaps the history of dance, but at the same time we're less knowledgeable too, which can be a problem. So we can, I I feel sometimes that we reinvent the wheel, but um, but yeah, I think I think there's a kind of freshness and a kind of um, also humour in 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 what we do. Here in Australia. Yeah, humour seems to be kind of it goes through peaks and troughs, but at the moment there seems to be I'm trying to think of examples, but things that have been really quite funny. Yeah. And that idea that dance can be funny and that yes. doesn't have to be sit there seriously, you know. Um, I'm interested in um, gender and dance. I guess in Australia most or well, the top five funded dance companies are run by men. Mm-hmm. And there's often a disconnect between the work on the bigger stages, like bigger programming, generally dominate, men generally dominate. And you almost mentioned before that the gender split between you and Gideon, Gideon seeing big picture and you in the studio. Yeah, doing all the work. Yeah, we see that too (laughs) with a lot of rehearsal directors, a female and then the male choreographers. Is that something that I guess you notice or is there reasons that... 
think that occurs? Yes, well, I do notice it. It's not, it has, it's not always the case. I think that, you know, there have been a lot of female directors at times, probably, you know, more than in theatre. And if you look, you know, mo especially historically, a lot of the big directors of companies have been women. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also very true in the UK. Like, they're very, it's a big thing there as well. Big topic. And I think it's, you know, it's just, it's this, there's a number of factors. It's, it's the whole thing about, you know, women being in top level positions, which, you know, how many directors of boards are women? And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about that in the corporate sector. Um, and, but when you consider that, I think 90% or, I, I, don't quote me, but the majority of people who study dance um, when they're younger are women, mm. and then, that then somehow they drop off. Um, but I think there's a number of things. One is that uh, I think a lot of girls do ballet from a very young age and it's, uh, it's, it's a great training, but it, it doesn't encourage individuality or um, self-expression or kind of, you know, breaking the mould at all. In fact, it's the opposite. You have to conform to something quite specific. Um, whereas men tend to begin later, so they've they've already um, probably found their voice a little bit more before they start. And also, to be a man in dance, you have to be pretty you have to be pretty strong, like you know, because you you're going to come up against a lot of stereotyping and a lot of you know possibly bullying or criticism or you know. You, you have to really know why you want to do it. So I, I think it probably you have to be a fairly directed person already to mm. just stay in it. Um, but um, I know it's not it's not good. And I mean, I wish that I wanted to be the director of you know a big company, but I actually don't. I, I just because I enjoy the uh, flexibility that I have and. And I think I really do enjoy just the process of dance making more than I enjoy running a company. So I think, to, you know, that's, you have to want to be an artistic director and you have to want to engage, you know, with the political powers and the funding bodies and the, you know, there's a lot that goes with it. And not that women, you know, don't want to do those things. I think many women do, but um, yeah, it seems to... It seems to end up, well, especially at the moment, that those jobs are taken by men. Yeah. Do you think you mentioned that a boy starting dance now, you know, the potential of bullying and all that kind of stuff? Do you think that shifted at all? I really don't know because I'm not, I'm not so in touch with, with young boys, starting dance. I really hope so. Mm. Yeah. I'm. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It's interesting because in a lot of my PhD work, um, most of the men weren't bullied. Professional dancers weren't bullied. Oh, good. Um, That's good to hear. So it's kind of shifted, but then I think there's this prevailing, I guess, idea or assumption that they are. And I don't know. I don't know if it, you know, I'm not a young male dancer myself. Quite possibly, you know, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not bullied. I think I can remember... 
you know, one of our dancers saying how, you know, he had to spend so many Saturday mornings surrounded by hundreds of little girls and and how it, he didn't mind, but it was just, you know, an interesting, <laughs> I don't know, it was somehow confronting to be the only the only guy amongst a lot of a lot of girls. Yeah. I've got a friend who um, played AFL for a long time until she couldn't no longer and she was in a similar boat but it was the opposite. Yes. I mean I think she quite liked it, but it was a really interesting it was socialised with all men. Yeah. And training and yeah. games and you know, like that was her peer group in terms of Going into a room and how you work. Um, so I think that's really changed over the years, obviously. you know, I think the first piece I made, I went into the studio by myself and I made up every single step and then I taught it to the, to the dancers and went, you know, when they came to rehearsal and that's how I made the piece. Um, but now I... Um, I think I get a lot of information from the actual rehearsal itself because I don't, I mean, I might come in with a very broad idea of what I want to do. Sometimes there's some kind of theme or, or subject that I want to sort of work around. But, um, but I, I like to try to get the content of the work from what evolves in the dancing so that it's not, so that it's not a kind of, you know, that there's dancing and then, oh, this is about, um, I don't know, uh, being in the city or, you know, it's, I want it to be more integrated than that. I want the ideas and the, the subject and content of the work to come from the dancing somehow because I think it's very easy to plop and say this, this piece is about something and then you watch it, and if someone hadn't told you that, you would have no idea, you know. Um, so, and I mean, I don't think you always, you know, you don't always need to have the dancing representing something. So, um, but then you do, you do want to connect with it, you know. You want it to sort of bring you into the world as well. So, um, so, are you? I. I have a number of things I, I do still make material on my own body which I teach to the dancers which is the old school way of doing it and um, but we also do a lot of improvisation a lot of building of tasks where I ask the dancers to do um, certain things that I've devised like certain tasks um, and yeah and there's lots of talking um, and I do, I like to let myself go off on, on tangents. If I see something in the rehearsal studio that surprises me or but that's perhaps not quite in line with what I've been working on, I let myself run away with that quite far sometimes. And sometimes that then takes over. So it's, it's sort of, I'm looking for the, the things that surprise me that surprise, and are not familiar. I, I'm always searching for um, <clears throat> what's not... Um, Predictable. Um, and then watching it, the first night it opens, is that terrifying? Sitting there in the audience, it's kind of, you've handed it over to the dancers and you're presenting it to an audience and hoping it flies. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's very exposing when you, 
when you first have an audience. Although it's exciting too. I mean, I do love it, but uh, it's you do become very aware of the audience around you and if, if they're fidgeting or if they're shuffling or sleeping or talking or. Um, but but it's it's fantastic to put a work in front of an audience because it then it becomes it really becomes itself. You don't you don't really know what it is until until you're sitting in the audience with the audience watching it because it's a performing art form and it's you know it's for an audience it's to be done in front of an audience i don't know if it's for an audience but it's but that's the that's the contract that's the sort of transaction that occurs so mm. you need that audience to complete the the picture and do you change it after it opens sometimes little bits but not I don't, I'm not a massive changer because I, I know some choreographers change it every night. Um, I I tend to I tend to find that if I start changing it, then some other part of it doesn't work. You know, so it starts messing up some other bit, and then I have to change that. And before I know it, all the good things are gone. So sometimes I feel I have to accept certain flaws in a work so that other so that some aspects of it can be really strong and, and beautiful so um yeah but and then i just think oh well, i'll make it you know i'll make a new one <laughs> <laughs> when you remount a work is that when you might change things more yes i think so when you've had a bit of distance yeah and you can't can let it sit and come mm, back to it yeah because sometimes you get you get an idea in your head of the way something looks and you you get very fixed about that and then actually come back to it and and after a break and think actually doesn't look doesn't read the way I thought it read that was something in my mind so you've got to be careful <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, if you get incredibly anxious about it I imagine I personally find the dress rehearsal the most horrible point in the process because um, quite often you're, you're making work in a studio environment and without lights and uh, no costumes and Although we try to introduce all of those things as early as possible into the process, when you move it into a, a new space and there's a different sound system and there's um, different light, you know, there's lighting and possibly sets and it, it feels it's a very different thing. You know, you have to you have to let go of that intimacy that you had in the in in the studio and let it kind of take another step um and and that that's generally the moment when i'm when i feel that i've failed <laughs> yeah. looking back at the particular works that stand out to you that are your like highlights or works that you kind mm. of or remember more fondly um i i mean i did really enjoy untrained just because of the sort of informality of it um I I was very challenged by making a work called Structure and Sadness where the dancers had to build a sort of 14-foot structure out of um, MDF boards every night, which then collapsed, which was an almost impossible feat, but they did it every night and danced at the same time. Um, and I always, I'm always more, mostly into my newest work and then, you know, after a year or something, that, that goes away. I always think, oh, this is the best one. 
um, and the one I'm most interested in. But then, yeah, there's things about all of them that I've enjoyed. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I think I, I don't really have super favourites, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So what's next? What's on the horizon? Um, so we'll be doing our work, The Dark Chorus, um, in Dark Mofo, which is quite fitting, down in Tasmania. Um, but after, after this very intense flurry of work, I'm going to take some leave, some long leave. I'm going to take three months off this year. So Beautiful. I'm really excited about that, just to have some time to think and not be so um, directed in everything that I, that I have to do. So I'm looking forward to that. And then I'll come back at the end of the year and start work on a new piece. But don't ask me what that's going to be because I don't know. <laughs> you need your three months I off I need my first. three months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Delving Into Dance. It was such a pleasure to chat to Lucy in such a busy period for the company. You can find out more about the company and where they're performing next with a list of links on the website delvingintodance.com. This is a small passion project that has expanded and expanded. So if you've enjoyed the episode, help spread the love. Subscribe on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform follow on Twitter, share these episodes with a friend and check out all previous episodes at delvingintodance.com. Stay tuned for future episodes with the incredible Noel Tovey and Daniel Jaber. Until next time, take care.